Hello, and welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I am a life transformation and mindset coach who supports others on their life journey. This show is all about rediscovering and reinventing who we are from wellness, healing, spirituality, empowerment, self-discovery, sobriety, parenting, mental health, energy, intuition, and so much more. There are so many good things here for you. So thank you for joining us today for your own self-project journey. I want to welcome to the show today, Laura Winger. And Laura has got a really incredible story and message to share with us today. Um, She's a narcissist domestic abuse survivor, and it's her goal to give other survivors a voice and to prevent others from falling into those relationships. So Laura, I just have to say thank you so, so much for giving your time to be here today and to share more of your story. Um, This is such an important topic, and I know that this is something that others have maybe dealt with in the past or are currently in this situation that, you know, maybe they don't know how to walk through this or how to resolve this or that they're even in this situation. I know some women don't even realize that they're in a narcissist, um, you know, in a relationship with a narcissist. So if you don't mind, do you just kind of mind introducing yourself and just sharing a little more of your backstory with us? Um, you know, what you're comfortable with sharing, what led you to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Christy. I appreciate you letting me join. Um, I am Laura. I'm a, I say I'm a God-centered, coffee-addicted, worth anything, um, narcissistic abuse survivor. I'm very glass half full kind of person. Um, but the one that I do want to unpack is that the narcissistic story that God has given me, I say, everybody has a story. If you're breathing, essentially you have something you have walked through. That's really either traumatic or challenging that made you pivot. And I did. And that's what I really kind of want to share with everybody. It's on my heart because it needs a voice and it needs awareness So um, I was in an almost four-year relationship, two years of that was marriage, with a narcissistic abuser. Did not realize what that meant. I had never heard the word before. I didn't know what the characteristics looked like. I just knew that what I was in the center of caught me off guard. I entered the relationship with him about 12 days before my mom died of her cancer journey. So I was really tapped out did not have any walls up, very depleted, completely unaware of what I was encountering. And a narcissist traditionally presents themselves as a very charming, here, let me help you kind of person. They are experts at wearing a mask and covering up the broken person that they are inside. They target people specifically who are putting a vibe off, either a vibe of that they are they don't value themselves or it's a vibe of I'm very, very weak at the moment. So they're an easy target. It's definitely that you're prey for them. The almost four years that we were together went from just, hey, you're my everything. He was very, they call it love bombing. So they basically enter into the relationship 
with a lot of, gosh, you're awesome. You're my soulmate. I've never dated somebody like you before. I've never been like this with somebody before. I am a preacher's kid and I'm very God-centered. He has um, God tattoos on his body. He has a whole Bible verse down his side. His vehicle had God things all over it. He could quote scripture like a pastor. I thought, oh, here's my guy, right? I thought I have found my man. And he walked through my mom's pet passing with me. He went to her service with me. And then within four to six weeks, he started being mean to me. And it was at that point that as a healthy person that I am now, I would have gone, ouch, wait, those words are not kind. This is not good. You're not healthy. Um, Instead, because I was still so broken from losing my bestie that I didn't realize what he was doing to me. And in the, we were engaged by 10 months because a narcissist flies. They want to lay claim to you quickly. They want to sweep you off your feet. They want to basically kind of almost get you off kilter with the amazing, gosh, I love you. This is a great, that you don't even realize that they're really bulldozing you. And so then within 10 months after that, even though things were not great, we got married. And so what I really, honestly, my heart goal is for people to realize it's that time period of the dating, the getting to know somebody that there are red flags. Those red flags that a narcissist like exposes during that dating time period escalates once you marry. Once I married him, it went from verbal abuse and emotional abuse. It went from controlling and manipulation to throwing things and breaking things to holding me hostage in my home. Um, Our marriage ended almost exactly two years after it started. And I say it ended on the day that he was arrested and taken away in the police car from our home. He was never allowed back in. And I have not had any communication with him since um, other than through the court system. But it really opened my eyes. So I, your parents don't know to teach you what the narcissist word is. They don't know what to teach you to look for. And honestly, I would love to be able to talk to young people like at the high school level when you're starting to date is when I think some of those things start to show up. And then as I mean, I've been single a great chunk of my life and have encountered a lot of different men in my dating experiences. But I did not know those red flags. So the things that he was doing in the beginning, as far as accusing me of having affairs, accusing me of infidelity, a narcissist is giving away what they're actually doing by what they're accusing you of. That's what they're doing, but they're passing it off on you. They're projecting it onto you. The um, the terms that they use are unkind. There's a lot of meaning language. I say, I think the best way I can describe it is they're trying to dismantle who you are at your core, slowly, methodically, intentionally, so that I, again, I'm very glass half full. I'm very positive. I'm very dorky. And by the time it was said and done, I was a puddle on the floor who couldn't think for herself and didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't strong anymore. And I had raised my son as a single parent. I'm a very fiercely strong, independent person. And all of that had been changed. And that's their goal. A narcissist is a very broken human being and they're very empty. And what they're doing is they're picking people that have traits that they like so they can suck them out of you and they can make it look like that's their traits. And so before it's all said and done, 
the cycle of abuse, which I didn't even know was a term in the middle of it. You're so, have you seen the pictures where it looks like a bunch of dots, but when you pan back, it's a bunch of pencils in a box. So in the very center of it, all you see is the abuse and they are very intentional with the, the way that they treat you. It's love, hate. It's, I love you. You're the best thing ever. I hate you. You're a bitch. It's, it's Jekyll and Hyde. It's, you can do anything wrong. I, I love you. You're perfect. You can't do anything right. You're horrible. And a lot of that, even most days include all of those things. So in the center of it, you can't even figure out what's going on because you're just constantly defending yourself. You're constantly, but I love you. I want this to work. Please don't hurt me anymore. Don't say these things. Don't hurt me. Don't hold me hostage. Don't get me. All of those things. And it's just, you can't see it. And for my story, the ability to escape came from the fact that he worked for a company where he was sent out of town for about three trips, two to three weeks each trip. And in that time frame, I got enough space, enough margin that I could read my journals and digest it and realize that in all of the time, because I'm a writer and that's where I process. So I got my journals out and I read them and lo and behold, it was a pattern. It was good and bad. It was, it was, I love you. I hate you. It was, you can do nothing wrong. You can't do anything right. Jekyll and Hyde. And when you confront them, they're, they're just so good at hiding what they're really doing. And they, there's a cycle to it. And again, until I read those journals, I didn't realize when it got really bad and I threatened to stand up for myself, he would get all crying and, and I'm sorry, I'll go to counseling. It'll, we'll make this work. Um, I found out on the other side of the divorce and I'd found a little bit in the center of it as well, but he had been unfaithful the entire time from the jump narcissists need an, a huge amount of what they call supply. A narcissist, again, is an empty void, like a box. And in order to fill themselves, they're always needing affirmation. They need somebody to like them. At their jobs, they are tops. They're often management because they need the accl- acclimation that comes with that. They need people to have to follow them. They, um, they come across as a giver and things like that. So it just, you just can't see it in the center of it. You can't see it until you're on, I I say, the other side of it. And part of the reason for me really wanting to give it a voice is when a woman or a person comes out and says that they have cancer or they've lost a loved one or life is hard, their community circles around them and says, gosh, I'm so sorry. Let me encourage you. Let me help you. Here's some prayers, here's some food, whatever it is you need. When I came out and said what had happened to me, people don't know what to do with it. It's very taboo. And they, I saw some people back off. And I had people almost attack me for, well, but your social media looked great. Well, what am I going to put on it? My husband called me a monster last night. My husband put a pillow over my face last night until I was terrified. I'm not going to put that on there. So it's important to me that there's an awareness and twofold. There is an awareness of the women who were in it. So as a teenager, young adult, dating, single person, that you're aware of the red flags. When a guy says that, when a guy... Um, belittles things that you really like, pokes, jabs, jokes that are not really jokes. When they try to put you on the spot and you're on the defense, 
all the time, when they accuse you of things that are absolutely out of your wheelhouse, when they raise a hand to you, those are signs you take immediately when a man shows you who he is the first time you take him at his word and you leave. And I also want to bring awareness to it because it doesn't need to be a taboo subject. We didn't ask to be abused. I didn't do anything that said, come and abuse me. Instead, I have too big of a heart and was raised to believe that God can do anything. You praise through it and it's going to be fine. Sure, God absolutely can do anything. However, he gives us free will. And if the person you're in a relationship doesn't use that free will to follow God, instead they use it for harm, then then you have to leave. Um, The other part I want to bring awareness to is that there's a lot of misunderstanding. I've said it in the past. I saw a woman being beaten in a parking lot and I saw her chase after him. And I was like, why doesn't she just leave him? What is she doing? People don't understand that in an abusive relationship, when you leave, the risk of you being killed is exponentially higher than at any other point in the relationship. I was in a relationship, my relationship had all the earmarks of, I was going to be killed. The last words he said to me were, I'll kill you. And he meant it. And the harm that I found out later that he had done to others, um, I know would have been done to me had I not been able to escape the home that day, which is only by God's grace because he was holding me and it wouldn't let me go barefoot on the sidewalk way down the street so I could get away. Um, He meant that. And so you just, all of those things to say, you just, it's real. Women die by the hand of their, their love all the time. Women's nose are broken. Arms are broken, but on the inside, your spirit is broken. And I think the spirit breaking is the one that lingers. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, bones heal, scars cover up physical wounds. It's the inside stuff. So a woman can't just decide to leave necessarily. She has to have an escape plan. Otherwise, she's really risking being killed. I was awarded an order of protection that lasted a year. I had to couch surf with my friends and be hidden for quite a while because it wasn't safe for me. Um, And even then, the court advocate that I had told me a a way to protect myself in my home because you can't just assume that you're safe in your home. And so people don't realize that. They also don't realize there's a thing called Stockholm Syndrome trauma bonding. The constant day in, day out of the I love you, I hate you, this is awesome, this is horrible, leaves you so unstable that you almost it's you don't even realize you're almost, it's a cycle that's addicting. Not that you're addicted to it, like a drug or something like that, but it is not as easy as walking away. I sought out a a counselor, a Christian counselor who is well-versed in domestic abuse. And we worked really hard to unpack the things inside of me that had been done and the things that make you dwell on it. I found out that most women take them seven times to leave and, and they're easier before they stay gone. Part of that is because the narcissist always comes back. They call it hoovering and hoovering literally means sucking you back in and they always reappear. So my order of protection expired on early August. Within two weeks, he had contacted me and the court advocate I talked to, she said they literally watch their calendar because they need a lot of different supply. They, they always have a bunch of women at their ready and they're always in their back pocket. And so um, you have to be aware that that is part of the, the deal. 
So it's not as easy as just saying, hey, he's not being good to you. Can you leave him? And then the flip side of that, too, that people don't really realize is when they're good to you, it's the best you have ever experienced. I loved him with everything I had in my heart. I begged and pleaded with God, let my marriage work. Please stop what's going on. I would beg him and talk to him. And just we would have just these long discussions where I was just on the floor and just covered in mascara and tears. I wanted it to work. I didn't realize it was never going to work. So there's just so much that goes into it. It's just not as easy as, hey, lady, get out. You know, um, it's just, it's, it's just hard. It's, it's on the side of it. And I, I read a blog called the other side, just because it's the other side of the story. People need to hear my story. He, the, the narc is very quick to tell everybody their story. They will lie and throw you under the bus. I had people come at me from his family that were being manipulated and not even realizing it. And, you know, the ex-wives who he had done the same thing too, absolutely ripped me. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so they're very quick to say their side of the story to people. No, nope, not everybody wants to hear yours. So that's part of this. Then it's the other side of the healing. On this side of it, I realized part of what the vibe I put off, not only was I just devastated because I was walking through this experience of losing my mom, but um, my inner narrative spoke that I didn't value myself enough to say, that's not okay. That inner narrative that we all have with each other, it needs to scream that you're valuable, that you're beautiful, you're worthy. God loves you, knows every hair on your head, that no man has the authority and the right to treat you. God says there is a way marriage is to be constructed and a man is to treat a wife. And I struggled at the end of it was I, I had, my divorce was for a lot of reasons and his unfaithfulness is a biblical reason for it. But I also, people were like, people are shy of telling you it's okay to leave your spouse if it's verbal and emotional abuse instead of battering. And I had, I had physical abuse, but I also had the emotional. And so I, there's, I really would also want people to know that if God says, here's how a husband treats a wife. And if he's not doing that, he's already broken the covenant. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, in a nutshell, it's kind of it (laughs) as to what I, I want to raise the veil off of it. I want to let it be known. I want there to, if there's questions people ask, don't assume. And to give young women an opportunity to go, wow, that guy that said that to me at the football game, because I'm wearing his ring or we've been boyfriend, girlfriend for six months. I let him off the hook this time because he didn't really mean to call me that name girl. He did too. (laughs) And that's the step you got. I'm out. Oh my gosh. Laura, I have to say, thank you so, so much for sharing your story so openly with us and, um, and giving us all of those red flags. I have to say a part that I really resonated with is when you began speaking about how you really wanted to get in front of teen girls, young women, as they're starting to, you know, explore dating and relationships and things like that. I had a very huge light bulb moment for myself. Um, Like I've been in my current marriage for 18 years, wonderful, wonderful guy. But when I was, I think I was 17, because I was just 
going into my senior year of high school and I got into a relationship with um, this boy and he, I mean, everything that you just described uh, screamed classic narcissist. So I was just thinking, wow, to share my experience with that. Um, one of the things that he frequently told me was, if you love me, you'll do this. And of course I loved him. So I'm going to do that thing that I said I never would. And so he 100%, um, you know, used that against me, the confidences that I had entrusted him with of like, you know, these are things I would never do, or um, maybe these are things that have happened to me in the past that really had an effect on me. And that was 100% used against me later on. Well, you said you'd never do that, but if you loved me, then you'll do that with me kind of thing. So that really popped. Absolutely. That really popped up for me. Um, And another thing, he always accused me of cheating. And then lo and behold, later I had another girl, and this is all in high school, come to me and um, you know, it was this whole thing of her. Well, he told me this, that, you know, and I just, I thought he was dating you and it was just, and, you know, finding out later on that he cheated. And so all of these things, um, oh gosh, what was another thing? Oh, um, he broke up with me because I was starting to gain some weight And so that was his excuse for that. Well, you're just starting to gain some weight. You're not taking care of yourself anymore. So I launched into this horribly unhealthy, you know, relationship with food and my body after that, with not eating, um, you know, ridiculous amounts of exercise to the point you're almost passing out because you weren't eating. And then it just, it just spiraled from there until um, actually my parents got involved at the end of it. And we're just like, no more of this. So. The threats that they use are so intentional. Like they absolutely, like you said, they like on my second wedding anniversary in the B&B that we were at for our anniversary, he said, hey, if you ever get fat and I don't find you attractive, I'm just going to go have an affair. And just like you and the the guy that you dated in school, that is so intentional on their part because they know you like them. They know that in my case, love them. It's my husband. And they're absolutely using any leverage they have to make you just desperate to stay. And that was, like I said, my first real relationship. So that's why I think, um, you know, had I heard somebody like you speaking to me at that age and heard all those red flags, I just think would that have, you know, you have that awareness in your mind, then would that have raised some things for me? Like, wait a minute. Um, well, and I think on a level, I already knew that the relationship wasn't healthy, but it's just that, you know, that breaking free of it, um, that feeling that really came down to that inner feeling of unworthiness. And um, that was, I think, what it was for me at that time, like feeling unlovable, like, oh, my gosh, this is the only person that's ever going to love me or accept me. And, um, you know, and there was things that he did that made me feel that way as well. So I just. I, I think that I love your idea of getting in front of, of younger girls. I just have to say that I encourage you to run with that. I hope to make that happen because I do, like I said, your parents, they don't know even what narcissism is or the word, and they can't give you the tools you need. I certainly didn't. I have one son. I mean, I think it is different. It's more prevalent for women than guys, but not to have ever, I never spoke the word. I didn't know what it was. So yeah, thank you. I hope to get to do that. Yes. And I'll be real too. As a teen girl, I didn't want to tell my parents what was going on because they, they already saw it. 
they already saw what was happening and that he wasn't good to me and that, you know, and so I would hear it every once in a while and I didn't want to hear it from my parents because, you know, they didn't know anything at that time. <laughs> so at that age, their parents, what do they possibly know? <laughs> um, I think too, sometimes just having, you know, I just think of myself as a, as a teenager, sometimes I would connect with somebody who is outside the situation or who didn't have that parental relationship that, and you know, that they didn't annoy me. (laughs) Right. Parents don't know anything when you're that age. I think until you're like 24, 25, do you go, Oh, they really are smart. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I'm like, that's what they were telling me the whole time. I get it now. So I think that's important. And I also wanted to touch on what you said about social media too. Uh, Like when you said that, well, you didn't, you, everything looks great on social media it's all highlight reels, um, you know, and I think that we, we know that more now. I think that we're um, becoming more and more aware of that now that what is on social media. Yeah. We're not showing, you know, we're showing some of the ugly because we want to share about it now at this point. But like you said, when you're walking through it at the time, you're not going to be posting all over social media about, you know, whatever happened last night or whatever he said to you or whatever the situation was. So I'm really glad that you spoke on that as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it you you want the world to believe it's good because you want it to be good. You don't. Part of it is a denial too on the victim's part because you don't want to. One, you don't realize you're in an abusive relationship. Those aren't words you say to yourself in the moment, but you want it to look good and be good, and you love this person so in depth that you want it to be a certain way. And if you can portray that to the public, that's awesome. And again, they're not going to believe you anyway. A classic narcissist and this, the one in my my ex-husband is the same. They are masters of convincing everybody around them that they're awesome people. They're generous. They're, they volunteer in their church, which we did. They are um, sweet and kind and funny. And people think they're a great people person. And look how you know awesome they are following of God and doing things. The only person being abused is the woman in the home. That's it. And so also nobody's likely to believe that you're telling them what happened to you. And especially if it's verbal and emotional abuse versus bruises and cuts, because you don't have the stuff to show them what's done to you at home. So yeah, you don't certainly don't portray that on your social media. Not at all. So I would really, you do um, have a blog where you share more about this for others, right? Do you mind telling us a little bit more about your blog? Sure. It is, Right now I'm going through, call it what it is. So one of the big things for me that was an eye opener was the terms. I had never heard of the word gaslighting. I had never heard of the word narcissism. I had no idea, covert, overt. I had never heard of cycle of abuse until the police officer spoke it to me the day of the arrest. Did not know those terms. And from those terms, a female who is in the middle of an abusive situation might have an aha moment. And so my lifeline through some of that was through things I'd read online, very same, looking for, if I think I'm being abused, what does this look like? And some of those words came unpacked. So that's right now what I'm doing is just kind of unpacking the litany of the words that highlight the the pieces of it. So hopefully somebody goes, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going through at home. And it is also for, I want to be a voice. I want to be an encourager. I want to be kind of that light in the pathway. So that's a little bit about what the blog is as well. It's really just what's on my heart that I hope to share with somebody that it 
helps them on their journey, either to prevent or get them through it on the other side. Awesome. Do you mind sharing the link um, to that? So if anybody wants to check it out. Sure. It is a, it's called theotherside.wordpress. I'm sorry, theotherside.loajane216.wordpress.com. And that is Loajane, L-O-W-A-J-N-E-J-A-N-E, which is my nickname. So. And that will be linked in show notes too. So you'll be able to scroll right down if you're interested and you can go straight to Laura's blog and check that out. Um, I'd also really quickly just like to ask you, as I say here, you mentioned about changing that negative inner narrative and, um, you know, making, working to get yourself being emotionally healthy. Do you just kind of mind sharing like a few tips on that or maybe a few of the first steps that you advise other women to take on starting that inner healing within themselves? Yeah, for sure. The inner narrative we have, I discovered, is really created in us when we're kids. It is something that you have, it's, it started out as a seed and it's grown and other things through your life might have, might have fed it, but you have this voice inside of you and it, and it's very subconscious. Sometimes you don't realize even the vibe that you're putting off from that inner narrative. One of the things that I found that my counselor suggested, which worked really well, is you coach yourself up. You go to your kids all the time. You're doing great. You're valuable. I love you. You can do anything. What do you say to yourself? I don't think I can do this. I'm terrified. I don't think I'm worthy. I feel fat today. Just, you know, things like that. Um, postcards around your house. Literally notes around your house. You're amazing. You're fabulous. You are conquering what you're going through today. You are scared, but you're still moving. Do it scared anyway. You're beautiful. Be your own best coach. Um, to be perfectly honest, I think anybody who has or recognizes in themselves a pretty strong self narrative that's negative, I think is best uncovered through counseling. Through counseling, they, they have the tools, they have the education. There are things I would have never identified, never known to pull to the surface and kind of unpack it had I not had that. It's just super important. You just have to know what you bring to the table. And okay, right? We have fat days where we feel like, oh, I don't feel so great today. But guess what? What you still bring to the table is fabulous. Rock that. And you just, it's just a matter of, it doesn't matter what life is saying I am, what somebody said I am. Your your love is not performance-based. You don't have to meet a certain line to be loved. You're worthy regardless, no matter what. Love isn't given based on what you can bring. It's based on the fact somebody just loves you enough to gift it to you. Don't forget that. Yeah, it's just so important that we speak good things to ourselves on a regular basis and to be aware of your the negative comments. Maybe it comes down to what have you said to yourself today? Write it down. Does it look like a negative or a positive? It's If it's a negative, concentrate on being aware of those. Awareness is your key to everything. Awareness brings acceptance to what's going on, and then you can take action to fix it. But if you're not aware of the words you're saying to yourself, if you're not aware of how you're carrying yourself or somebody else is treating you, you can't fix it. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I think it's great that you said coach yourself up. Like you said, we're constantly running around pumping our kids up. Like you could do anything. You can do this, like go scared. And then, yes, when it comes to ourselves, we're not that same cheerleader. So um I love that you put it in the terms like that, like cheer yourself on like you would your own children or your best friend or, you know, somebody that you really care for and that you really want to 
see them grow and flourish, like be that person for you. Yeah. And you use your name on your notes around your house. Says, Laura, you are strong. Laura, you are not scared. You don't want to use I terms because a coach doesn't say I. A coach calls you by name and holds you accountable and pumps you up and encourages you. So you use your own name on your cards around your house. Oh my gosh, I love that. What a great tip because then too, it always, um, you know, learning about the subconscious mind, it picks up on that more like, oh, you're talking to me, (laughs) you know? Oh, that's my name. You're talking to me. What a great tip. What a great tip. I appreciate you being on and um, everything that you've shared with us. I feel like you have given us so much value that has been um, packed into this episode. Not only have we talked about the red flags that people can be aware of, but you've shared your story, um, you know, what you saw in your relationship, what you went through, like you said, to um, get out of it, because it's not only beyond the emotional piece, but literally being scared for your life, like survival, like when you're getting down to um, just that foundation of survival and that basic need for um, being safe. And then you've shared with us all about, um, you know, some inner healing that you started. So I just have to tell you, just thank you. Thank you for giving today and for um, bringing a voice to those who haven't found theirs yet. Thank you. That's a great way to put it. Thank you. But yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate you letting me give a voice to this. So closing out, did you have anything else you wanted to add? I feel like you've given us so much already. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I will say that through either the the other side blog that I have or through my Instagram, I, I'm not trained and not well-versed and I'm not educated on the things, but I'm happy to be a voice for somebody or at least point them in the right direction. You don't always realize what your resources are in the center. You don't realize there are resources So if somebody feels like this is their story as well, they can use my blog as a source of sharing their story. And, you know, I can always help maybe point somebody to something that they need. So Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you again, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And I will see you next time.